This episode of the Event Industry News Podcast is sponsored by Evolution Dome, award-winning temporary inflatable event structures. Take a look at their structures at evolutiondome.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And on today's podcast is, is a guest that has not joined the podcast before, but um, someone who I'm pretty sure that m m many of our podcast followers will have come across in the events industry. Um, and we're going to be talking today about women in exhibitions, um, specifically the UK chapter of women in exhibitions, and my guest's thoughts and, and five tips, if you can call it that, on career pathways and um, and sort of how to navigate maybe the topsy-turvy world of events um, in that particular situation. I'm delighted to welcome, for the first time to the, to the Event Industry News podcast, Rachel Swan. Rachel is the COO of the Energy Division at DMG Events and also a board member of Women in Exhibitions at the UK chapter. Rachel, a very warm welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. Thank you for having me, James. I'm delighted to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time out. I know um, we were just talking off air, you know, all, all sorts of different commitments that we're having to juggle at the moment. And um, we've, we've, we've juggled this around a little bit to, to fit it in with our schedule. So yeah, thanks very much. We really do appreciate you sort of taking the time out to, to have a chat about this subject. And I suppose the best place to start may be just a bit of a professional bio, Rachel. It's your first time on the podcast. So um, for uh, anybody who's listening to the podcast today who hasn't come across you in the events industry before, give us a bit of context as to, as to who you are and what you do. Thank you, James. I'm, as you said, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at DMG Events, um, and I've been at DMG for the last eight years. My current role involves working with the president and the executive team to commercially drive the business forward. And I've got direct responsibility for the finance and HR teams. We have offices and events globally, which means I travel frequently and work across different time zones. Um, I'm the vice chair of the Association of Event Organisers, the AEO. And as you mentioned, I'm also on the board of Women in Exhibitions. And for those of you that haven't heard of Women in Exhibitions, it supports women working across the events and exhibitions and helps them deliver um, develop in their roles. It provides training, mentoring, networking and the opportunity to be part of a trusted community. I'm also a mother to a three-year-old boy so as you can imagine this involves a lot of juggling. Um, there's still only, um, women only make up 30% of leadership positions in the UK and I'm really passionate to ensure that women have the same opportunities as men to progress their careers. You can see that we've still got a long way to get to equality in the boardroom and not everybody wants to get there. Be here in that, be part of that 30% and be here today um, with you in my role as CEO at DMG Events. Fabulous. And, and, and something that, that you, you said there, which I think is um is an important consideration is is that not everybody wants to maybe get to those 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 senior positions but what's important is that the opportunity is there to do so and it, it would it be fair to say that um that it, it's the opportunity that maybe in the past has not been as prevalent for women as it has been for men in terms of pathways and and obvious steps forward in order to achieve those positions yes that's true and we really believe at Women in Exhibitions, we can help support in that journey. And and what, t tell us specifically about the UK chapter, because Women in Exhibitions is, 
is very much a global entity. If you go onto the Women in Exhibitions website, and I would urge anybody that's listening to this today, I always say, you know, do do your follow up. If you listen to and you hear anything on here and you think, oh, that's piqued my interest, do do go on to the websites and do your search for because um, I think back in June there was the Women in Exhibitions Summit in Maastricht in the, in the Netherlands. So it's, it, we're not just talking about something that's in the UK. This is a a global entity as an organisation of which the UK chapter was set up. Is it fairly recently, last few years? Just pre-COVID. Um, and that was a great opportunity to set it up because people obviously had a bit more time on their hands when we weren't running events. Um, but, yeah, we're committed to give everybody opportunities. We provide training um, predominantly online, but we have social networking events and to help people um, network with their peers. And we also provide a great mentoring scheme um, which is helping people come up through the business and we're matching people with um, people across different events companies where we believe that they can help them and guide them within their careers. And another point of reference there for, for the um, Women in Exhibitions UK website is that all of those mentors, or, or certainly a, a significant proportion of them, are actually listed on the website. So anybody who wants to sort of find out more about that, you only have to click on the website, you know, a couple of times and you'll be on the mentor page and you can see, you know, a, a, a fairly significant list of people who who work in the events industry, um, a lot of faces and names that I recognise. But again, another point of reference to, to make sure that after you've listened to this today, um, to, to, to follow up and, and have a look at the uh, at the UK website. I think what, what we're going to move on to today, um, Rachel, is is this, this idea that you've evolved um, in that, you know, there are sliding doors moments. Everybody who listens to this and who works in this industry will attest that they've all had their own sort of sliding doors moments. Those points in their life where they've had to make a decision that way or that way, yes or no, left or right, depending on on, on what's in front of them at the moment. And you've sort of, I suppose, in some respects, boiled that down to to five points that that, you know, people can maybe relate to or look at and, and maybe give some guidance to. Um, let, let's work through those because it's, it, it, it's uh, I'm sure it's going to sort of take us on a bit of a journey as we discuss those. Um, and number one is is just the, the obvious choice, choosing the right career path. Um, tell us about point number one and let's go from there. I really believe that you'll work hard at things you enjoy. Um, it's interesting, a recent poll conducted by Gallup in um, 2021 and covered that out of the world's 1 billion full-time workers, only 15% of people are engaged at work. And that means an astronomical 85% of people are unhappy in their jobs, which is quite sad, really. Mm. Um, after I qualified as an accountant um, in an accountancy firm and was looking for my first job in the commercial world, I had to decide what industry I wanted to work in. And I was lucky that whilst I'd worked in audit, I had the benefit of working for many different clients and I knew I'd prefer a culture of a company that was people focused and I really wanted to find a role that excited me and that was my first sliding doors moment. Like most people I fell into the world of exhibitions and 20 years later I'm still here <laughs> and I strongly believe that you work harder at things you enjoy so it's essential to make a list of things that are important to you and think about this when you're looking for the right company and the right role. Enjoying your role in the company that you work for is a great start to tackling some of the other um, barriers that you might have to navigate during your career and sometimes you have to leave your company to progress but often you can just stay there and work up work your way up the ladder but I also feel that don't work uh, rule out sideways move during your career because this sometimes can be beneficial for you as well. 
do you, do you think sometimes that sideways movement within companies can be sometimes as uh, um, not restrictive, but not as accessible as upwards uh, movement? Because I, I, I remember, pro, you know, years ago when I worked in uh, a publishing company, you know, I, I always had an interest in, in in journalism and writing and and putting words together. And I worked at this publishing company in a sales role in advertising sales, and I always secretly harbored this this sort of desire maybe to move across and sideways into the sort of the, the, the actual editorial side of things but there just wasn't that movement available in that organization it, it was never the twain shall meet you know you work in the in the sales department and that's yeah. your team over there and you're not quite and so you couldn't move so I'm just just curious to know whether or not sometimes those sideways steps in organizations maybe are under considered by business leaders and there should be maybe some more obvious steps for people to move into other roles that may be parallel to what they're doing and not necessarily upwards to maybe expand their their own um i suppose that their, their, their own education yeah i think that's a really good point james and i think um it could be beneficial especially um in the events sector where you're looking at maybe in the future you're you're you know you've got your heart set on an event director role but you're in one discipline at the moment, whether that being sales or marketing or content, and you could really benefit from getting exposure to some um, different different roles across the business. But I think it all depends on um, your employee uh, employer, doesn't it, and how mm. supportive of you they are. Yeah, because I, I suppose when I when I think of event directors that I've met and come across and worked with over the last 13, 14 years, um, you know, all of them have a very very knowledgeable and detailed understanding of all of the various different verticals that make up the, a successful event um, and they're able to communicate and actually guide and, and manage and direct those individual elements very very clearly so it, it, it's obvious that when you get to sort of director and leadership level that you do need to have that understanding of all the different roles don't you so I just think maybe it's sometimes that something that we, we overlook in business as a whole sometimes is is giving people the opportunity to maybe just do even placement, you know, in other positions, just to get an understanding of what another department does on their way up. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, move, moving on to, to, to point number two, um, and I've noted down here is, is, is along the lines of bouncing back. Um, and, I, and I'm curious, I've, I've, I've got the five points here, but but no explanation as to what they are. So I'm as I'm exactly as the listeners are today. I've got the the five individual points, but I'm waiting to hear what Rachel has to say uh, about each one as much as the people listening today are. So number two, bouncing back. I think um, bouncing back is really important. I really believe you can't live with the fear of making mistakes. And I um, looked up some research on this point. And according to research from the Nairod Business University, they've um, found out that one of out of two people think they could perform better at work if they were not worrying about making mistakes. And you can't live with the fear of making mistakes because this will hamper you in your career and lead to the inability to make decisions. And we all know without decision making, an organization just gets paralyzed. I've made mistakes in my career and these were followed by more sliding doors moments, but I didn't let these mistakes define my career. I held my hands up and I apologized and moved on and just made sure I didn't make the same mistakes again. I think as a manager, you need to make sure that your team is, you know, isn't worried about making mistakes. And it's okay to make mistakes because everyone's human. Mm. But you need, it's really important, you need to admit them and learn from them and not repeat them and put in place plans to make sure that they don't happen again if the situation, you know, came arose again. Mm. And I guess, you know, risk 
often drives innovation, doesn't it? You know, if, if we're prepared to take risks, that means that, you know, if we want to do something different or innovate or come up with a new idea for something or a new way of doing something, particularly in an event, in events, it, that does mean that there is always an element of risk attached to it. Changing what you've done, you know, regularly in past events, you know, to do something totally different comes with it a certain level of trepidation. But, you know, having the confidence to be able to do it, knowing that you might not necessarily fail, but make a mistake and you may have to just come back from it and not let it sort of drag you down is is so critical to, to how we run events. Yeah, definitely. And you need to feel supported in doing so, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you go to somebody with an idea, you know, again, at any level, and this, this, I suppose, comes back and is very apropos the whole discussion. Given that, you know, in terms of the exhibition sector, I think I, I, I read in some notes prior to today's recording that you know, eighty percent of entry level positions are filled by women. So there are obviously a lot of women at entry level positions, where maybe some of those ideas and the innovation and 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 the um, you know, the, promoting them to take risk and be innovative, maybe as a way of, of actually improving those pathways that we spoke about at the very beginning. Yeah, definitely. Um, playing to strengths is is point number three. Um, where do we go through with, with, with this one? I think it's important to know what you're good at. And I always remember a conversation that I had with a group CFO years ago at a drinks reception. And he said to me, do you want to be CFO one day? And I said, I'm not sure. I'm not that passionate about financial accounting. And to which he replied, well, when you get the CFO role, you can hire somebody that does your job for you. And I think <laughs> I think uh, Cheryl Sandberg in her book Lean In makes a really good point that men would apply for positions when they only meet 60% of the um, criteria, while women only apply if they meet 100% of the requirements. And this holds women back. And so at this point, I'm going to say, make sure you jump through those sliding doors and get on the train. And you mm. don't want to miss an opportunity for promotion while you're waiting to get 100% of the required skills. You really need to understand your strengths and play to them. Take opportunities when you, they arise and put your hand up to take on extra responsibility. And even if you don't feel that you have the experience, you'll grow into the role. You need to be honest with yourself as to where your weaknesses are and where you have knowledge gaps and then make sure that you have a, you know, a supportive team around you to support you in those weaker areas. Uh, do, do you think um, are you an advocate of people applying and, and, and going for jobs that they know, actually, that they probably won't get because they're not quite there yet because of the, the skill set and the experience that it gives them? I think it depends. I think you should be honest, actually, in the interviews. And I, and I think that... Um, bodes well if you if you go into a job and say I'm really strong in these areas but I'm not so strong in this areas but I can learn or I'm going to need a bit more support in that area and I think that's that's the way to play it I think mm. um you know you don't want to sort of out over promise do you and not have um be able to back that up so I think it's better to be honest from the outset and and employers are quite um open and appreciate that don't they? That's what I found. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and in some respects, that, that ties in a little bit with what we were saying earlier about these sort of sideways movement as well. Don't be afraid of sideways movement. That if you go into an interview in a, let's say you're going for a promotion in an organisation that you're already working for, and you talk about your strengths and your weaknesses or, or where you would like to, to gain more experience, you know, that that's, that's another way of telling an employer and an organization that you need to have more opportunities for us to develop our understanding of these other areas within the organization if 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 they're your weaknesses at the moment then 
turn that into a strength or an opportunity by saying to your employer, I'd like to get some experience in these areas in order to, so when I come back for this interview again in a year's time, it's no longer a weakness of mine. I can say, actually, it's a strength because I did six months with that department. Yeah, and I think that's an important point to bring up with your manager in your sort of regular one-to-ones or um, annual appraisals so that you can say at that point, if you've got a goal in the in the next couple of years, you can you can work towards it and say, can I have extra training in this area? Could you send me a course on something else? So don't be afraid to say if you think you need some extra help. I think that's just it's good to be honest, isn't it? And then people can help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on to point number four. Um, the grass is not necessarily greener or the grass is greener. <laughs> not always not always <laughs> I think um be honest with yourself why you're unhappy um and I was l- trying to find a piece of research for this and I found an interesting report by the Workforce Institute that said 15% of employees have returned to a former employer and 40% would consider applying for a position at a company they've previously worked for so I think that mm. proves the grass isn't always greener And I was recently in Dubai and I met up with somebody who used to work for me and they'd left my team to go and work for a job outside of our industry and for more money. And at the time, I tried to persuade them to stay and, you know, said the grass isn't always greener. And when I saw them, they asked me for their old job back and said I was right and they regretted leaving. So (laughs) you, you have to be careful. I think you have to be honest with yourself and really question why you're unhappy and ask yourself the following questions. You know, is a new job going to be any different? Do I like my current boss? Do I like my current job? Or is it all about money? And and maybe you could approach your current employer about that. Just um, your boss and your company align to your values. And is there a way to make it work? And can you change maybe the way you're working to make it different? I think mm-hmm. another memorable key sliding doors moment for me was when I was experiencing a difficult working relationship with a former boss. And it was really making me unhappy. And I had to decide, should I make it work or leave? And I did the former and I managed to adapt my behaviour to really ensure that I was getting the best out of the relationship and mm-hmm. managing it in the right way. And point number two, bouncing back and point number four, the grass is greener, really now tie in with each other. Because, again, it goes back to the, the sliding doors and, and really sort of taking the time to make the right decision because number two is bouncing back. So we talked about risk and, and being prepared to, to be innovative and take risk and be prepared to bounce back if you maybe don't succeed at that. But but similarly, the grass is not always greener on the other side. So whilst we want to encourage people, don't we, to to take risk and be innovative and take that leap, knowing that and have the confidence to bounce back if, bounce back if you need to, that sometimes that leap is is not always going to necessarily yield something that that's better than what you've already got. So they do tie in with each. The, the, these points all all do t- tie in with each other. And you know, certainly I've. I can testify to I've been in, in in that situation before where I've made a decision based on money to go somewhere else that was a completely, uh, you know, within within weeks. I think we, if I'm being brutally honest, I think within about a week, I knew that I'd made a terrible decision. And yeah. you can usually you can usually tell or or, or spot the bad decisions fairly, fairly quickly um, when, when you've made that decision, whether it be for money or thinking it's a better opportunity somewhere else. I do tend to think from my own experience that, that that people will know about them fairly quickly won't they yeah i completely agree with you yeah and uh moving on well i mean we've got we're 20 minutes into today and we're getting to point five which gives us some time to have a little bit of a of a chat about all of these and a bit of overview so we're at, we're at point number five now which is knowing when to leave 
Yeah, I think this is a difficult one. And I think you need to base this on an informed decision. Um, and this ties back to the point you said before, you really need to weigh up all the pros and cons. And once you've done that, then you can have the confidence to walk away. You need to think about, are you having more bad days than good? Is, is it making you ill? Mm-hmm. And um, Or are you just having tunnel vision and not really seeing the positives? And sometimes no one's to blame. It's just not the right fit. A bit like a relationship sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you have to make the decisions for yourself. And if needs be, have the confidence to walk away. And for me, this is the ultimate sliding doors moment. And you need to ensure that you're making the right decision for you. Yeah. And, and having the right the right fit, as you, as, as you put it, is, is is so important because we work, people forget sometimes, and certainly people external to the events industry don't understand just how diverse it is within the industry in terms of how many different types of event, different clients that we work for. And having the same job title with three different event companies could mean three completely and utterly different jobs for different audiences with a different relationship and working practices between those three organizations. You know, and and that that differs greatly from other industries where the same job title would literally be that job, regardless of where you go. And having that understanding um, and I suppose that this is where it comes back to people who are new coming into the industry, isn't it, is is giving them the understanding and the education that actually just because they've come into the industry and this is their first job and they're doing this, that the same job for another company or another organisation could be something completely different. Yeah, I agree. And I think cultures um, can be quite different across all the different event organisers as well because the companies are all different sizes. So I think uh, not only may you have might have a different, you know, the job title might be the same, but you're doing something different. The culture can be completely different as well. And um, I think you need to find a boss that is really supportive and champions you and your career as well, because I know during my you know, 20 years in events, that's made a huge difference to me, having a boss that, um, it, you know, that I get on well with, I've got a good relationship with, um, and I enjoy working with every day. That makes a huge difference. Uh, is is the balance being redressed do you think um you mentioned that the, the the uk chapter of women in exhibitions um it came about just before the pandemic so 2019 so what we were f- four years into that in the uk but you know much longer than that uh, as a global entity do, do you think the balance is is being redressed have you seen progress in the time you've been involved on the board and with women in exhibitions in the uk Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, we get positive feedback from um, all of our members. And I've also seen that in person being on the board of um, the AEO, which I've I've been involved with them for many years now. And, you know, a few years ago, I think we had one woman on the board and now it's about half of the board um, is Mm. made up of women. So definitely making progress. Um, but we've still got a long way to go. And I think um, all of these initiatives that we're putting in place are definitely going to pay dividends and we're going to see more women being involved, hopefully having more support and making their way up to leadership um, positions in, you know, in, the, in the future. Mm. And is there any particular sector of the of the events industry um, because the AEO you know will, will rep- represent you know organizers from from you know quite a broad spectrum of, of events is there any sort of particular vertical where we're seeing more progress or less progress is it you know necessarily exhibitions is it you know live music is it conferences is is it consumer events b2b events are there any sort of statistics as, as, as such to show where there there is more progress or less progress or 
do we generally talk about the overall industry? Yeah, we're definitely we're talking about the overall industry. I think um, one of the benefits of women in exhibitions is it goes across um, all. It covers all of the elements of companies that are organising exhibitions and events, rather than mm. just organisers. And um, we've got members that are suppliers and venues as well. So it's very inclusive, um, which is nice. But mm. I think um, I think everybody it's more on people's radar now, isn't it, to try and be yeah. inclusive of everybody. And um, we're definitely seeing progress. Yeah. And and it's important, I suppose, to, to, to stress the point that when we talk about women in exhibitions, that. I think it would be very easy for some people to instantly think, oh, the exhibition companies, the the the, the, the companies who own these exhibitions and, and organise them. You know, if you think about everything that goes into putting on a, a, an exhibition, we're talking about all of the different contractors, suppliers, you know, that entire supply chain, as well as the people who own it and organise it, you know, every every company and business involved in putting on exhibition in any of the, the the obvious venues that you may think of you know this, this is applicable what we're talking about today is applicable yeah that's correct yeah mm. everybody's welcome yeah absolutely um given that the uk chapter has been around since 2019 i'm just wondering what what um the the sort of the interaction is like with other chapters in in europe and internationally and um a comparison to some of the progress that that um, has been felt in other chapters. Um, are you aware of that at all? Have you had the opportunity to talk to international counterparts and see what the progress is like in other countries? Yes, as you mentioned, we recently had the um, Global International Summit in Maastricht, um, which I was unfortunately unable to go to as I was uh, on site in Canada. But that brought everybody together, which was great. And I think there's uh, more planned for the future of having the international get togethers. But in the UK, we're one of the chapters that's the furthest ahead um, and the most developed, which is great. And we're able then with the membership um, that we've got so far and the new members that are coming on board, we're able to invest that money back into our members and provide more training, more network opportunities. And obviously, as we discussed earlier, um, mentoring um, sessions for people who are interested in that, which I think is, is brilliant. We've been um, talking today on the podcast to Rachel Swan. Rachel is the COO at DMG Event and a board member of Women in Exhibitions in the UK chapter and also uh, on the board uh, at the AEO talking to her about these these five points when it comes to, um, I suppose, career pathways, the sliding door moments, the choices that we've faced. Let's recap very quickly, Rachel, on points one to five just before we, we wrap up and maybe give people a few bits of contact information before we finish today's episode. Point one was uh, choosing the career, choosing your career carefully. Uh, point two, bouncing back. Point three was play to your strengths. Uh, four, is the grass greener on the other side? And number five, knowing when to leave. And um, as you'll have heard when we've been uh, progressing through today's podcast, a lot of those points do interlink with each other. Uh, um, which I suppose brings me nicely to, 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 to the question that um, I'm sure will be on the lips of many people uh, who are listening today, Rachel, is, is how can they get in touch with you about this? If people want to, you know, take a little bit of inspiration from what they've heard today and maybe contact you or find out a bit more about Women in Event Tech, how, how and where do they need to go to do that? Yeah, of course. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn um, or I'm um, many at many of these events. Um, so you'll probably come across me. Um my details, yeah, I'm well. Anyone's welcome to reach out to me. Please contact me at link on LinkedIn is probably the best one. 
Absolutely. And, and the website, which we've referenced a couple of times, I believe is, uh, is womeninexhibitions.co.uk is the UK chapter website. Womeninexhibitions.co.uk. Really well put together website, really easy to navigate. Some of the stuff that we've mentioned today about the, 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 the you can see uh, the board members on there really easily. You can see the mentors that, that Rachel mentioned earlier on in today's podcast. Um, so do have a little look around there and find out what those guys are up to. Um, which brings us, I suppose, neatly and nicely to the end of today's episode. Um, my thanks to my guest again, Rachel Swan. And before we wrap up today, just a reminder to head over to eventindustrynews.com if you're listening to today's podcast in your earbuds whilst you're out and about on your podcast platform. Head over to eventindustrynews.com, check out the latest news, features, special supplements, and also, of course, the A to Z supplier directory that's on the Event Industry News website. If you are working within, within the industry and you're looking for uh, a supplier, a contractor, a service of any description, the chances are that you will find it within that A to Z supplier directory. If you're already listening to this via the Event Industry News website today, thanks for tuning in. And please do head over to wherever you get your podcast from on your mobile device, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, etc., and make sure that you are subscribed to the Event Industry News podcast so that you get all of the episodes as they drop each week. My thanks once again to Rachel. It's been great to meet you. Thanks for taking a bit of time out on uh, what is no doubt a busy Monday and start to the week to have a little chat with us today, um, Rachel. And uh, to everybody listening to the podcast, thanks very much for tuning in and we'll see you on the next edition. Goodbye, everybody.